Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the weekly podcast from the marketing minds at doyouconvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. I'm Kevin Oakley, and as always, we have Andrew Peak. Here we are. You're back from vacation. <laughs> I you am back, back from vacation. It was a, it was a trip. It was um, a trip. How was your yeah, trip? Mike Lyon actually taught me the difference. You know, a trip is when you take your children, mm, uh, especially young children, with you. And a vacation is when you go by yourself. So this was a trip, but it was it was fantastic overall. We went down to Mexico and enjoyed the warmth nice. and the sunshine. Nice. Uh, two semi-interesting things uh, occurred. The first was we were there for less than five minutes, and my three-year-old fell and hit his head on a metal beach chair um, oh. and had to go to the uh, local Mexican hospital where oh, they tried life. to, one, sedate him, and two, uh, charge my credit card seven thousand dollars for the oh, procedure oh my was it that, so that was, serious of a cut or injury like it was very the, deep it okay. was a very deep cut lots of blood but it was only like a half an inch to maybe gotcha. two quarters of an inch wide so gotcha. he only ended up getting uh three stitches i think internal okay. and then they glued him shut so he could end up swimming a couple of days later but that was okay. a great way to get vacation kicked off and then um, yeah. also Man. also interesting is my eight-year-old we did the whole uh, swim with the dolphins thing while we were there mm-hmm. um which i had done before but my family had not and she was attacked my eight-year-old was attacked oh, my eight-year-old daughter was attacked by a dolphin uh smacked in the leg with the fin um there were two dolphins that were wrestling didn't have great behavior and so they thought she originally perhaps broke her leg they made everyone get out they reset the dolphins scolded them put them in timeout Um, and so now I love to tease my daughter. Um, this is terrible parenting advice. That's not what this podcast is about, but it's too much fun. So I can't not do it. She's already a little skittish and fearful about life in general. Um, so when she says that she's scared about that, something might happen or will happen to her, Mm -hmm. uh, since vacation, my response back to her has been, don't worry, Sydney, that'll never happen. The chances of that happening are so small. It's like, the chance of being attacked by a dolphin, one of the most friendly creatures oh, on the planet. <laughs> and she awesome. bursts into tears and goes and And then you, you get in trouble. My, uh, my parenting mm-hmm. advice, I have three children, so we could, this is the parenting <laughs> advice segment, is to come up with rhymes or a little chance for things you do not want them to do. Our boys share a room, they're in bunk beds, um, five and two and a half years old, and they will get in this habit of coming out of bed. You know, they go to bed at like 8.30, and so we go come out of bed, you go to timeout and the, this whole thing, but it works really good. So that's my parenting Well, what's advice. the rhyme? Oh, come out of bed, you go to timeout and they just keep, so we go to bed, we're like, all right, what's the rules of bed <laughs> Is that a rhyme? No, it doesn't rhyme, but you can, you can put a rhythm behind it. So it's, it is a chant though. It is a uh, chant. Yeah. They remember it. So they'll walk to bed and the two-year-old, he's hilarious with his voice. Cause it's like, what are you saying? He's like, oh, to bed, you go to timeout. It's yeah. Like, <laughs> I like okay, it. I like that it. Indoctrination. 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 That's right. Right. Well, what do we got on story time this week, sir? Ooh, this is a good story, story because AdWords. So it's kind of two. It's two stories in one. AdWords and Facebook are completely different. We all know that. But Facebook, as far as what you see, is pretty much what you get. Like you have your campaign, you set your budget, mm-hmm. you set who is going to see it, their interest, where they are, demographics. Here's the ad, and that's what happens. With Facebook, you have the ad, just like, I mean, with AdWords, you have the ad, but they have the keywords and how the keywords work with what the person actually types in is where it gets Mm -hmm. a little crazy and how you can set up those keywords. So the story on this one is um, to make sure 
and this was a report that was referenced by a builder partner, um, make sure your reporting keeps branded terms separate from, say, sub-market searches. So if someone's typing in New Homes Tampa, those keywords need to be in its own group with its own, say, cost per click and cost per lead, all those metrics separate from people that are typing in Andrew Peak Homes Tampa um, or whatever exactly. your builder name, your company name. Otherwise, if those are mixed together, you might, you not might, you will have skewed results as far as, oh, our cost per lead is this, or we had 20 conversions last month. What happened now? We only have five. And you really have to go really granular and look at the keywords to be like, well, what did they come from? And chances are, if it looks too good to be true, and but you, your end result is not where it needs to be, it might just be the reporting that's kind of making things skewed. Yeah, yeah so, submarket uh, or again, non-branded terms, general terms versus uh, the, explain just a, a little bit deeper as to why in terms of how the user is is likely thinking when they're doing those searches and why okay. one would perform better. Yeah, let's start with um, branded terms because those are super easy to understand. So branded terms, by that, I, I mean, if they're typing in, say, a community name. So if they drove by it at 1 p.m., they are getting lunch and then they saw the community. They're like, oh, I've never noticed that before. They go home at night. It's eight o'clock. They just had dinner. They're like, I'm going to see what new homes are available in there. And they type in that community term name. That is a branded term. Or if they saw say a sign or a friend said, hey, go with this builder. Or if they saw your Facebook ad or Google ad previously and they remembered mm -hmm. your builder name or the website name and they type in the website name in the search bar with Google, which we know is like super, super common just to type it in Google and click that. So those all yeah. those are branded. People already are looking for you versus starting their search from the beginning of, hey, I'm looking for a new home in Tampa, new home in Ohio, wherever they're searching for. Those are separate. So it's people who know you and people who don't know you, I guess, is a easier way to think about yeah. it. And so you're going to win or you should win, you better win uh, have yeah. a much higher click through rate on mm -hmm. on branded terms. And they should also be less expensive a because less. you have the actual content that they're looking for. So even if a competitor is trying to run ads against your own name, um, you still shouldn't have to pay crazy amounts of money because mm -hmm. Google will see who's getting the better experience or giving the better experience to the consumer uh, in terms of what the, is it a deep click or short click, Definitely. shallow click, uh, bounce and, rates. And Google tends to, those. they try to protect that. I know there's, say, the some of the big public guys out there, like they'll bid on homes, like just the word homes. Um, mm -hmm. And so they might show up above your website, even if people type in a branded term. But they're, they're usually not bidding on your brand, your company name. It's just they're bidding on something super generic like homes, hoping because they built in so many different places that it will end up yeah. working out. So. so if your if your company name has the word homes in it, Heartland Homes, it might show up. It's going to show up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not a good strategy, by the way, to use the word homes. No, uh, sounds really expensive. For those of you passively listening in your car <laughs> and coming up already, like texting your marketing person, we should add in the word homes by itself. Oh, no. No. That's a lot of money. <laughs> That's please. No, that'd be crazy. Oh, man. Awesome. And next time, I think I would love for you to talk a little bit more about um, the whole idea of, of competition with AdWords. This week should find a story cool. for you to share about that, because I think that's just that's we know that's a common one of the, your boss walks in and says, I Googled, you know, our competitor's name at 11 o'clock at night and I didn't see our ad show up or I Googled our name and a competitor's ad showed up or, you know, our, it, there's just this obsession about 
are are we losing out to our competitors mm-hmm. from from AdWords? And and usually it's at night. At least whenever I've whenever I receive emails yeah. like that, it's it's late. It's like nine fifteen to like eleven forty five. Yeah, it's, yeah, go binge watch something else yeah, on Netflix. Don't worry about that. There's a if lot. You, if you have a good partner handling it. Right. Lost in space. All right. <laughs> My story is about, um, this is going to, it's a little ironic, about mixing, uh, in air quotes, non-perfect photos in with perfect ones and ads. And sometimes I think that can actually give you a better result. Obviously, Andrew, we talk nonstop about the importance of having high quality mm-hmm. photography and video work. But I was working on a project for a builder who was had like an infill uh, location. It's a new, you know, 10, 15 home sites uh, attached to an existing community that's been around for over 10 years. And so it's tucked away signage. Weekend signage isn't great to be able to get there. Um, and when we were building out the Facebook ad, I, I took a drone shot and it was a cloudy day. Um, neither one of the homes is 100% complete. One was still framing. Uh, the, gra- the sod is not installed on the home site. Mm-hmm. So generally speaking, in terms of the criteria that we would talk to someone about of, should I use this photo or not? You'd say, that, that doesn't work. Yeah. And in fact, when I showed it to some other people, they were kind of like, yeah, no, we have some stuff like that. But I'm just, I don't think that's, you know, good enough to be mm-hmm. used in an ad. But the tactic here that worked really well was when you mix a shot like that in with interior photos of what a finished model home or home in that community representative photo would look like. Uh, and so for, for you listening, the largest image of this kind of collage was the drone shot from up above showing mud in a cul-de-sac with two homes under construction. Nice. But then you could see the existing neighborhood around it. Um, and so you got, the context that this was, you know, in a location that you might not expect to be for it to be in and then showed, you know, obviously great kitchen photos and, and owner suite photos and the rest. And within a half hour of posting that ad, they had four leads come in from that specific Facebook ad, um, into, into their CRMs. And it's continued to outpace their other campaign by three times in terms of lead count. So do you remember um, what the ad copy said? Was it like coming soon? Or anything where it like implied, like it's not done yet. Well, this is or? a this wasn't a pre-sale without fail situation, so it's actually selling. Okay. Um, so those are or it is it is open for sale. But gotcha. the copy talked about the fact that this is your this is a rare opportunity to be part of an existing community, a, a mature, well-established community, and still be able to build exactly what you want. Gotcha. Super cool. So to your to your point, yes, the, the context between the visuals, the targeting, and the and the copy was all there, too. Awesome. And I think that's obviously obviously important. Yeah, that's that makes sense. I wonder, yeah, it'd be interesting to do some user testing on that, on just an image itself, and kind of get people's thoughts as far as like what goes through their mind. Like, what are your what's your first thoughts when you see this? You're in the market for a new home, that the whole story, and then what are your first two thoughts on that? Like if it's all positive, like, oh, cool, I get to pick everything I want. This is a brand new home. Those are old ones over there. They have problems. This is a brand new one. This would be perfect. And they're just, all this stuff is coming out of the brain when they see that image. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see that. Well, uh, part of where you're going is that there's always a group of people who don't want to make any of those decisions, just want them all to already be made for them and just buy Mm -hmm. essentially an existing home that's brand new, (laughs) right? It's just ready to move into. And that's why builders build the inventory. Um, And so I do 
try to, in this, in this case I did, after the link, the additional copy below that you'd only see if you expanded the ad, mm-hmm. um, I did say, you know, and with a very limited amount of, of quick move-in homes available, because there's always that other audience who doesn't want to go through the whole construction process, who would be turned off by the mud and the framing and the thought of gotcha. having to wait for months. Um, so I, I do think you want to be aware of both of those yeah. types of, of, of consumers that are out there yeah. when, you're, when you're building. Very them. cool. All right, let's zip through news time. Uh, last last week was all news all the time, and we've got a great guest coming on with us um, after the break. So we only have three today, but let's let's zip through. So this first one, I'm uh, I'm mixed on, but I, I think it, the end result is cool. Um, so Facebook premieres this new video format that lets you um, have pre pre-made videos pushed as live footage. So I'm only mixed on that because it's that kind of deceiving, but I know you can mix it with live. So you could kind of do both at the same time. Um, does that make any sense whatsoever? Like you're live, but it's... Well, so what's going to happen is when these these are mm-hmm. pre-recorded videos that are premiering first on Facebook. And so where the live uh, copy is now the white text on top of that red square when someone's going live. That's going Premier. to be replaced with the word yep. premieres or premiering. Um, and I hear what you're saying, Andrew, for sure. But the thing is that this oh, is yeah. already happening it's, now anyway, without mm-hmm. that context. So Gary Vaynerchuk, for those of you, he does this all the time. And what's funny to me is um, he'll he'll have like a half hour episode and he will broadcast it live. And there are ways to do that using tools like OBS, um, uh, Open Broadcast System I think is what it stands for, but OBS Studio. Um, you can broadcast anything on Facebook Live, even if it's pre-recorded. But half of his comments on the video are, "Is this really live?" Question <laughs> mark. Like, hey, this isn't live. So, to your point, you're definitely not being um, transparent. But but marketers are. are already trying to hack the system. So I think one, this is to try to prevent that, and two. Um, just the language I think is a smart choice because if they are successful in getting any pre-recorded content, like, um, you know, name a, name a top show, well, that or a top show on ABC that they are able to say, Mm -hmm. you know what, don't be on broadcast anymore. Uh, come over here and be part of Facebook watch, which is also what this is tied into is they want this to be part of the Facebook watch ecosystem. Um, but being able to say, Hey, this, this is on Netflix maybe next week or Hulu next week, but it's premiering. Yeah. And a cool marketing thing. You could then remarket the people that watch the video, what length of the video you could then make an ad out Mm -hmm. of the video. You have the people commenting on the video, but I, you know, yes, you get those people who say that's not really live, but what I do really think is smart. And I just talked to someone the other day who was going to do this is use this tool like OBS to do a truly live introduction to your pre-recorded content. That way you get all those interactions and engagements and, and emoticons flying over the video so that when, like you're saying, you go back and you boost it or create a targeted ad campaign using that content, it all Genius. carries along with it. All right. Oh, I know. I love this good. next it one. It is good. I know you so do So Facebook, too. the Q1 uh, earnings were the other day. And do you think they made less money or more money with all the Facebook drama? Um, going on with all the privacy issues. More money. They did. They did. Um, 11.97 billion with the B, which is just insane. That's a lot of money. Um, Q1 2018. And even more importantly mm-hmm. than that, 
or it's all important, but they actually increased users still in U.S. and Canada. So it's not like, okay, U.S., because overall, yep. the, every, yep. I think it was like a 4% increase in users across the board, you know, every country. But maybe other countries would be shielded from the privacy news and headlines taking over their lives for the last, you know, three weeks. Um, but U.S. and Canada still grew, even with the people that quote, you know, the Facebook deleters and all that. So it's, I don't know, it's good. No one's going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And we shouldn't be surprised by this. Again, one of the things that we can do in today's digital connected world, as long as you are part of that world, is say, is this how, and we asked this question on the Market Proof Marketing Facebook group, like, have you yourself or does anyone you know, have they actually changed their behavior because of this revelation? No, pretty much no. And the answer back was, was no. I, I knew one person who never really used Facebook anyway. And so again, this, if you pay attention, you just say, what is my ecosystem, the people that I spend time with, what is that? What are they really doing? What's their behavior really look like? It was all just headlines designed to get, try to sell, you know, ads, Inventory. display yeah. ads on. And this is monthly active users. So right. what's interesting is um, off the look at how they gauge that metric um, just to be. And again, this is just how you, how you should look at your reporting too. If you have it from, from your agencies, what does that, that actually mean? So perhaps those people that did delete, they're not in that monthly active users category which is what Facebook reports in their, their quarterly earnings on their site. So like, mm. were they already excluded? Yeah, so you're right. It wasn't accounts. Correct. It's not counts. It's just if they weren't active and they just stayed unactive because yep. of all the drama, it wouldn't have mattered. But at the end of the day, from a marketer's perspective, I can't advertise to the people yeah, who aren't active anyway. Yeah, it so. doesn't make any difference. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really. Uh, hmm. Me too. I love it. I'm, I've held on to my Facebook stock. I don't, I don't worry about it nope, whatsoever. Not going anywhere. And the last one, Amazon's advertising play pays off with a $2 billion revenue quarter. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a lot of ads. That, and um, these are ads Amazon. on Amazon's app, on the website, mm -hmm. um, in, in Amazon's own ecosystem. Yeah, like the you search a product, there's the pretty much at the top, if you're on desktop, the top three sponsor, I believe it's sponsored, it's a language, sponsored listing, sponsored products. Um, that's a big one. But then there's ads on the detailed product page, like they're all over the place, but they're quite native feeling. Like you never feel like, oh, that's an mm -hmm. ad. Like they're, they're done really well where you, you don't even notice. And typically it's, at least what I've seen, you never see a product that is, at least the way I shop on Amazon, you type in a product and you're like, I'm not really sure what I'm looking for, but I need a new headset with microphone for my laptop. You look at reviews and you see, oh, that had 300, that has 10,000. The ones at the top that are sponsored, they still have reviews. So they don't look at a place, oh, that has no reviews on it. So it's interesting that yep. the people that are still selling the product are still advertising on Amazon. So it must mm -hmm. work well for them. It's profitable. Yeah, you're right. You don't see any, you know, one out of uh, one back star. in the day, Obama wants you to refinance your home. Click here to save thousands. No. <laughs> you don't see <laughs> those type of ads on Amazon. So you're right. They are they are native, um, native ads. And and so here we have a very heavily used marketplace um, mm -hmm. used by both buyers and sellers uh, where Amazon gets to make low margin on transactions and high margins on ads. Who does that sound like? Does it start with the Z maybe? <laughs> Z? <laughs> yeah. So like we talked about last week with Zillow <laughs> getting into the, into the business of 
you know, offering an instant purchase and, and flipping homes, you know, essentially with, with, uh, local agent partners, that's a very low margin business, but the high, high margin advertising business, um, rides right along with it. And, and of course, native ads on Zillow, they made that change two and a half, three years ago from having essentially mostly Google display network ads, um, and, and similar to having predominantly native advertising mm-hmm. and, and that just means one, it's a better consumer experience. Uh, hopefully, two, the ads don't look like ads. So the cops and robbers game between consumers and advertiser. The advertiser has a leg up, and and then um, and three, they get to charge more for it, That's right? And and make that higher margin. So I just thought it was interesting. I didn't. I honestly don't even know that I've ever clicked on an ad in uh, Amazon. Uh, you probably have, but I probably have because it's so, it it looks so native to what I'm looking for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What I, what I will tell you that I don't know if this is part of that or not, but the Amazon recommends icon that shows up. If you do a search, um, it's like blue blue tag, I think. Yeah. Blue or black. And, and when that pops up on a search that I've already narrowed down kind of ahead of time in my mind, if that shows up and it's Amazon's recommended choice, that's a no brainer. Definitely. Um, I always, I always go, you know, I'm sure there's even a game to all that as far as what we're, what we're leading to with, oh, with yeah. SAO there's Amazon has its own SEO ecosystem comparable uh-huh. with, and it's just like its own, really it's its own internet. You have AdWords, which would be like their ad product system. You have search, which is the SEO for your listings and getting those little tags on your product to get people to buy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Good yeah. lead in. All right. Well, let's, let's, cut to the break. And then we come back, we're going to have my favorite mind when it comes to talking about SEO for home builders. And he does so much more, but we are, we're putting the handcuffs on him because we want to talk about SEO because it's, it's confusing. It's frustrating for home builders who don't really understand why they can't just be on page one and can't just pay someone whatever amount of money to be in the first result on page one organically. It's Andrew Garberson. He'll be joining us in just a moment. And we're back with my favorite SEO mind on the globe, uh, Andrew Garberson from Lunametrics. They're, they're part of the HS2 Solutions family, um, which that's one smart purchase by them because you guys are awesome. In fact, uh, I'm going to get into a little bit about how we met and how we w- used to work together, Andrew. But background on Lunametrics was you guys were also one of the first people to be certified to do Google training. Is that correct? Yeah, we joined the certified partner, the Google Analytics certified partner program the day that it was launched. Uh, And so our founder, Robin Steiff, goes way back um, before uh, there was even a Google Analytics. Um, She was working with Urchin. So uh, we've been involved in the program as long as it's existed. Wow. So for those of you who have followed along with Andrew's technical uh, (laughs) talks in the past, UTM code, that's where the urchin came from. Awesome. So yeah, Andrew, we've known each other since, gosh, probably 2009, 2010 or so. Gosh, the years start to blur together, don't they? I I think you're right. It it has been quite a while at this point. (laughs) So I was at Heartland Homes in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. 
um, where Lunametrics uh, is headquartered. And the web developer that we used, Fireman Creative, uh, at the time shared uh, the same building as Lunametrics. And we were talking through some SEO challenges. And in fact, we were getting ready in another six months or so to start working on a refresh of the site as well. And the owner, Paul Fireman, said, you know what, uh, Kevin, this is important enough and we've gotten enough of the other basics taken care of. I really want to I want you to meet these guys and talk about bringing them in um, to help us. And so one good, good for Paul, he could have just said, I can handle all this for you. Don't worry about it. Um, but he brought in a true expert on the topic. And um, for the next, uh, until I left Heartland in 20, uh, end of 2012, or sorry, t- end of 2015, gosh, um, uh, we continued to work with Lunametrics as, as a partner on SEO and content. And I'm saying this not to um, be awkward, but somewhere between four and $5,000 a month for, for several, several years, we happily paid uh, Lunametrics for their expertise. And um, so that's just, I just wanted to give you a little bit of background of, yes, Andrew and I really are acquaintances. We, we know each other. We saw each other on lots of uh, occasions. He's fantastic. And I happily paid him and his group, uh, his team, a, a good amount of money because I, I believe that much in him. So all that being said, we want to dive into the actual topic at hand, which is SEO and what that means for builders. And I'll start out with the first question. And then Andrew, you can take it from there for Andrew. Sounds good. Peak uh, can take it. Yeah. Let's call <laughs> Andrew and Andrew. AP will be Andrew Peak uh, for the remainder that of works. our session. <laughs> um, <laughs> Andrew, when we hear the term SEO you, used incorrectly all the time. In fact, the biggest nail on the chalkboard thing to me is when I see someone literally just interchange the word marketing with SEO as if all um, efforts to acquire a customer is SEO. <laughs> so how do you define that term? And it's probably changed, but how, do you, how, do you, how would you talk about that term with someone now? Yeah, it's a great point, and it's changing all the time. Uh, so most often when I hear people talk about search engine optimization, I agree, they're talking about marketing or digital marketing mm-hmm. or inbound marketing, but I tend to hear a couple of words used uh, immediately after SEO. Uh, People talk about website traffic and they talk about Google rankings and related topics. Um, I think it's best when you're defining SEO to take a second to think about the way that you use search engines. Uh, And so just you can look in your your Google history uh, or think about how you've used a search engine in the last week. Um, But I just opened mine. So I'm looking at my search history and I've got the last three things that I searched for. And I think that that gives us a great demonstration of the modern way that people use search engines and the way that we need to redefine what SEO means to marketers. So I'm thinking about the last three things that I went over, and it's Ford stock price, rental car in Des Moines, and FB, two letters, FB. Um, So when I think about Ford stock price, that's an informational query. I'm not trying to buy anything. Uh, I saw the news that they're not selling cars in the United States, and I wanted to know what that did to Mm -hmm. the stock price. And if you do the same search, so you can take out your phone as you're following along and, and type in Ford stock price to Google, you'll see that it doesn't even give you websites to click on. It gives you the answer in the search results. You don't have to do anything. It just presents you with the $12 or whatever it is right now, uh, Mm -hmm. which uh, kind of embodies this whole idea of just searching for information on a search engine. 
Um, and we can compare that to something that I would consider a transactional search, like rental car in Des Moines. Uh, so I'm going to be traveling to Des Moines in, in June. I need to get a car. And so that is a transactional search. Mm -hmm. uh, and I clicked on a listing in the Google search results. And it, again, didn't take me to a website. It opened an app on my phone. And I rented a car in an app on my phone. Uh, and that kind of takes us down a whole other path yeah. of SEO. Um, but again, that one is going to be a, a transactional search. And then I think about the last search that I did, which was FB. Uh, <laughs> I am too lazy to type yep. www.facebook.com into my browser bar. So I know that when I take out my phone or I open a browser and I type FB, the first thing that I see at the top of the search results is going to be Facebook. And I can click on that faster than it takes for me to punch out those letters with my thumbs on my phone keyboard. Um, yep. So that is a navigational search. I know where I want to go. I'm just using a search engine to get there. Mm -hmm. um, and so that really sets the stage for how search engines have evolved and become such an essential part of our life over the last few years. Um, that's not to mention the, the Google Home that I have in three rooms <laughs> in my house. Maybe you have Alexa in your house uh -huh. that also relies on a search engine. I've got a Google Assistant in my pocket on my phone, right? Uh, and I also have one on my watch. Uh, so Search engines are all Apple, around Apple us. Apple eats your heart out. You're not getting right, a Garberson exactly. clan. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so I th you'll notice in that I never mentioned the word website traffic. I never talked about Google rankings. I didn't talk about marketing. I'm talking about the ways that we find, consume, uh, and, and buy things online. And that really our definition of SEO needs to embody that. So I now, say all Andrew, of that. Hold, yeah, if, if it <laughs> yeah. was anyone else, I would, my, my antenna would start going up and I'd be like, wait a minute, I think you're making this fuzzier. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm bringing it all back to a very simple definition. I promise I'm not trying to steer you off course. <laughs> no, I love it. Overly optimistic love or it. altruistic. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I define SEO as uh, we're helping stakeholders find answers and fulfill needs online. So I'll say it one more time. Uh, we're helping stakeholders find answers and fulfill needs online. And I think there are three operative words in there. Um, the one would be stakeholders. Uh, that could be a potential buyer, a future buyer, home buyer, right? Uh, or it could be a, a current homeowner, a, a current uh, uh, someone who has purchased a home from us in the past yep. and they're looking for warranty info or how to contact us to move to the, the home next door or to upsize. Uh, and I think it's easy to forget with SEO that we're also thinking about all of our stakeholders, all of the people that depend on us. Yep. Right. Think about a university. Uh, a university has many, many stakeholders to consider when they think about SEO. Right. They've got students on campus that are searching for the cafeteria menu. They have potential students at the undergrad and grad, PhD levels. They have concerned parents that want to know that their students are actually going to class. Um, and so all of those stakeholders needed to be included in this definition of SEO. Uh, the second operative word in there was find. Um, so that's thinking about discoverability, right? Can a search engine or users uh, discover things on our website to help perform and satisfy those informational, transactional, and navigational queries. Um, the goal here is to give people what they want, what they need, when they want it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then the third word that I would call out in that definition is online. Uh, and that 
<laughs> just continues to expand, right? The idea right. of being online, because now we're mm -hmm. thinking about wearables and IoT uh, and that Google Voice. Home yep. in my house, right? Uh, and so search engines use the internet and are connected, but they're not necessarily websites. So I understand that that was a lot about process and definitions, um, but the the end goal of SEO is really just about helping people do things online, uh, answer questions, fulfill needs, uh, because as marketers and, and as people who sell a good or a service, uh, we're there to help them satisfy those things. Uh, so I'll, I'll look back to Andrew and Kevin. Have your eyes glazed over? Have I totally lost you in that definition? No. You, you I love like it because to me at least it connects. It, you're, you're just as much part of the website and the use of the website as you are like the mysterious, oh, he did something with Google as far as, oh, he's doing something over there. Um, whatever that is, I have no <laughs> yep. idea. Like that's where I was the going. Whole thing. You it's didn't the, talk uh, about hacking, correct. manipulating. Um, it's trying to figure out what is the user looking for and providing, making sure that you appear appropriately. Appropriately, I think is the key because so much of what oftentimes we'll hear people talk about with SEO is showing up inappropriately, trying to figure out how to hack it. And then the customer ends up having a negative experience, doesn't convert anyway. So what was all that really worth and actually can cause some harm if Google sees that repetition occurring again and again? Which they so. easily can, right? They, it's all about timestamps with Google. They know the second that a user clicks on a search result or performs a search, that, that's a timestamp. They know when someone visits a website or opens an app uh, and they they see that timestamp when the user comes back and clicks or engages with a competitor or some other element of the search results, which is a sign back to a search engine that that is an unhappy customer. And if we think back to the goal of a search engine, as, I, as you were talking about a little bit in the previous segment, uh, the goal of a search engine is to have happy customers that continue to use the product, mm -hmm. right? Continue mm -hmm. to turn to that search engine for answers, to fulfill needs, because that's somebody that a search engine will make money on day after day, week after week, year after year. Uh, and so I know that there is this altruistic idea of just providing good experiences online. Um, but at the end of the day, that's the search <laughs> engine's goal, because happy customers are customers tomorrow. Uh, and so gaming the system, hacking things together, trying to uh, position yourself uh, for things that, that don't reflect your brand is detrimental to a search engine, which should be translated back to you as it's going to be detrimental Definitely. to my business. But so many CEOs are just walking up, smacking the marketer on the back of the head and saying, just fix it now. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's one of the challenges I think with with SEO, and in a lot of ways, all digital marketing. Uh, there's so much happening; people are pulled in so many directions, and so it's impossible for anyone to understand all of the channels, all of the ways that that marketers use digital to to make money for an organization. And so you do you get executives that want to throw money at a problem, right? Well, I've heard this is an opportunity. I've read the whatever top five blog post that was on Mashable <laughs> last week. Uh, so uh -huh. fix it, right? Let me throw some money at this. Uh, and that's where I think marketers can get into trouble. Um, but also people providing that, that yep. service or people helping Definitely. marketers to solve that can, can get into trouble because they, they come with an uneducated or a miseducated. Uh, Definitely. And that's, client. that's perfect to, uh, to my question is what would you define as far as the core, um, 
pieces of a comprehensive SEO strategy? Like, I don't know if there's three, there's five. Like, what would you be as far as like, here's what needs to be done and here's the different categories that we would need to work on? Yeah, and that's a great question. I think it changes a little bit by industry or by goal. Uh, for home builders, I, I think most would fall into three pillars, three core uh, components of SEO. Or, and let me say it another way, three things that, that home builders Perfect. should be thinking about. Uh, the first thing is going to be accessibility. Um, so understand that a search engine is a bot that looks around uh, the web and connected devices for information. It needs to be able to find, crawl through that resource, understand it, and then index it, which is the equivalent of taking a snapshot and filing it away in its filing cabinet for the next time that uh, a user turns to a search engine and types rental car in Des Moines. Oh, right, I took a picture of one of those businesses that can fulfill that need. Let me retrieve it and serve it to the user. Um, so mm -hmm. accessibility is always, always number one on SEO lists. Uh, we need to make sure that uh, a search engine can can find and understand content, whether that's your website, as is the case for, for most home builders, uh, but maybe it's an app, maybe it's a podcast like we're on now. Uh, whatever the content is, it's making sure that a search engine has the ability to access that content. Um, and mm -hmm. I can, I'll dive into some specifics here in a little bit and give you some, some homework, some additional resources. Um, I would say the second pillar is positioning. Uh, so it's thinking about uh, what questions am I positioning my brand to answer? Or, or what needs am I positioning my brand to fulfill? Uh, we can't be everything to everyone all the time. And SEO is all about picking your battles. And I, and I hesitate to draw too many art of war or battle <laughs> references. I'm obviously getting outside of my, my knowledge base here. Uh, but we just we can't be everything to everyone all the time, um, especially for most of us listening, which are, are regional businesses um, or maybe national, but the, everyone is competing over the same real estate. Uh, no pun intended in the search results. And, and so we need to focus in on how we position ourselves so we're the right thing to the right person. Uh, and if you're not sure what any of those words mean, not to mention where to start, I do have uh, a, a nice overview article. Uh, and we'll, I'm sure we'll uh, include Yeah, we'll put this. in the show notes. Yep. Yeah. Um, and if you're, you're listening, it's, uh, I've got a short link here. It's bit.ly, so it's bit.ly slash marketproofaudit, oh. all lowercase, all one word. Beautiful. Uh, and it walks through oh. all of the, the steps that are involved in the first two points, which are both accessibility and positioning. Uh, the third pillar that I would call out is just being local. Um, so most of us uh, are local businesses or we at least support people in a market, right? We aren't a global organization that, that spans political and geographic boundaries. Um, for most of us as home builders, our potential customers live in our neighborhoods or live in specific neighborhoods. Uh, and so we need to take advantage of the tools that search engines give us to reach those people. Uh, and that, if this all sounds totally foreign to you, I'll give you another link, another link in the show notes. It's, it's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash marketproof local. And it's a great overview of the five core things that go into local SEO or making sure that people who are in specific markets can find you. Because as a, uh, someone who serves a local market, uh, finding a home builder in a different country or a different 
time zone or a different part of the globe isn't going to answer their question or satisfy their needs. They need to find you, and so you need to use the tools that search engines give you to connect on a local level. Yeah, in fact, national home builders in a lot of ways, you would they, they do have an up in terms of the amount of content and in terms of link juice, as we used to talk about it back in the day, Andrew. But when you talk, when you ask someone, you say, you know, what kind of home builder are you? Well, we're a national home builder. That's not a perspective you really want to have because no customer is likely to be a national customer. They're they're focused on a very small slice of the world. Right. So Either where good, they are currently or where they want to go. Yep. Right. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. Yep. So you've, you've worked with quite a few home builders in the past and, and currently. Are there any, say, common issues that you find on home building sites or just their practices in general that, say, would be on like on the negative side of SEO or just a challenge that you typically always, hey, we got to go through this again. Here's another builder. We're going to have this issue. Anything that... <laughs> Probably our audience would really be able to relate to like, oh, we have that. Oh, goodness. Let's get that fixed. Well, let me set the stage by saying that all of my customers and all of the people that I've worked with are smart, savvy, sophisticated digital marketers that have perfect SEO, would never, <laughs> ever have any issues. Uh, that includes Kevin. That's right. Um, yes. <laughs> but I, I will now take a step back and say that I do run into some very specific issues working working with home builders. Uh, and so let me, let me call out a couple, and then I would love to kick it back to both of you who have had your own experiences uh -huh. uh, with home builders and the kinds of things that they run into, and we can maybe sure. diagnose some of those. Um, I think the big one is, is going to be the last pillar that we talked about, which was local SEO, and taking advantage of the tools that Google gives you. Uh, that's, that's always my life advice for digital marketers when it comes to advertising when it comes to SEO, take advantage of all the tools that, that these resources give you. Uh, and I'm, I'm so surprised to find that many home builders have not claimed their Google My Business locations uh, okay. or their, their Bing locations uh, or their Apple locations. The list goes on and on, right? There are many search engines that people are using lots of different channels to reach you. Um, so take a moment to, to give yourself an audit uh, of all of the things that are available to help you connect with local customers, these people who are looking for you. This is fish in a barrel, right? Uh, and so yeah. if, you can, if you can tackle these things that, that take 15 minutes at a time, and for, for the most part are one and done, which is rare in SEO, so much of SEO, and remember the last word in SEO is optimization, means that it's ongoing. But for a lot mm -hmm. of these local tools, it really is making sure that you've just uh, crossed your T's and dotted your I's. You, you claim them, you populate them, you position them for your local audiences, and you move on to the other 150 things that are on your to-do list for the day. Yeah. Um, and my favorite part when we talk to people or ask them about that is they're like, but it's so hard, Andrew, or <laughs> I'm talking like, like them to you. I have to get a postcard or verify some other way. Like, man, that's just, that's hard. <laughs> do you, yeah, ever, and you, and you're do you just right. smile and say, so what, like we do, or do well, you have other advice? <laughs> I, I agree with them though, that it is, it's new and that makes it difficult. And it is not instant gratification, right? You need to go through the steps and you're right. It takes a week and you get the postcard and you have to go back. And oh, what was that website that I had to log in to, to submit the code? So it, it is foreign to some people and that makes it difficult. 
but I, I always urge my home builder customers to let's, let's do this for one location and it'll take you a little bit of time. Let's invest it. Just trust me on this and let's evaluate the return on investment. Mm -hmm. So now let's look back at it in a few weeks. Uh, and these, these tools are not shy about letting you know how much they helped you. So they'll send you that email that said, yeah, you know, we helped 500 people find you this month just based on this listing that you've taken out. Uh, and yep. it's free. They, they just want you to help their customers. Again, going back to how search engines make money. Uh, so uh, they're going to help you understand the value of it, even if you don't immediately understand the value. So even if you have to tiptoe in uh, or convince your boss that it's worth time, uh, maybe just do it for one location and really work hard to make it the, the shining star, the example that you can mm -hmm. use to then uh, demonstrate the value of it for, for the rest and, and encourage the people that need to invest that time to invest it later. And if you have a problem with the postcard, uh, here's a quick tip that's worked for myself and other people in the past is just do that, you know, $1 forwarding address, change of address um, piece. Because a lot of times what happens, Andrew, is that the postcard goes out, sales rep throws it in the trash, uh, doesn't pay attention for it, or it goes to a mailbox that no one has ever opened and <laughs> has a key for or knows how to get to. And I always say, hey, at least you get the free coupons that come when you fill that out. Anyway, it's usually like a dollar with the Postal Service. And uh, that way you can have it sent back to your corporate address and you don't even have to get out in your car to go get the postcard. Genius. That's that's really clever. See, I usually take my dollar to the recipient. I'm usually talking to that sales <laughs> rep saying, I will buy you bagels. I'll bring that six pack to you if you bring this card to me. Um, so yeah. I like how we're just that's investing our money in different beautiful. places. Yeah. Um, so thinking about some of the other things that are common issues, uh, like I said earlier, SEO is about picking your battles. And so it's especially important for, for regional home builders to position themselves in their markets. Uh, and, and you might not have the top dollar SEO agencies that are working around the clock, uh, you know, taking thousands and thousands of dollars to be that extension of your team that are positioning these, these national and global brands to to really uh, capture the, the the top terms. So think about think about who you are, what you do best, who your market is. Whether you know we do custom homes in Pittsburgh, uh, or we're the best home builder in Green Bay. Whatever that is, focus on that and really put all of your efforts uh, around positioning yourself for the customers that are most valuable to you, um, because. At the end of the day, the Trulias and the, the massive national home builders of the world are going to be spending a lot of time and a lot of money to cover the national terms. So think about positioning yourself for what you do best in your market, uh, and you'll, you'll always do better than those national brands that are trying to, they're trying to take everything, but they aren't going to ever be better at your market or the type of home that you build than you. Um, so really play to your strengths there. Uh, and then the, I guess the other thing I would call out is you need to know your current state. Uh, it's impossible to plan for the future or where you want to grow with SEO uh, without knowing where you currently are. There are so many free and freemium SEO tools out there that you can use without ever hiring an agency uh, or an expert to come in and help you. Uh, I, uh, I've got a couple of other uh, 
links here. Um, one is uh, a blog post that a coworker of mine wrote that's a list of the best free SEO tools. So all of them Very are cool. free, all of them you can use immediately. Um, the bit.ly link on that one is uh, bit.ly slash marketproof tools, or you can just do a Google search for free SEO tools. Um, and then the other one that I'll, I'll include here, and this is more, uh, it's less about auditing and more about just keeping an eye on where you are so you can set SEO goals for the future. Uh, and that's uh, a link that takes you to a free data studio report. Uh, and so this is a free reporting and, and data visualization tool provided by Google. Uh, and this will connect with your Google Search Console account, which gives you access and information around what people type into a search engine or say to a search engine before they engage with your, your website. Uh, and just knowing where you are is going to help you so much when you plan where you want to go, whether it's by yourself using some of those free tools or you're hiring an agency or whatever it's going to be. So the, the short link on that one is bit.ly slash market proof SEO. Uh, and so that'll take you and it will it'll actually open Data Studio. And as long as you have a Google account, you know, Gmail or YouTube or AdWords, uh, whatever your Google account is, you just need a Google account and it will open a data studio report for you and connect. Um, so uh, both are helpful. You might click on them in that order, uh, but I think we need to know where you are in order to Very plan cool. where you want to go. I love it. That one, congrats, I mean, not congratulations, but what you'll notice, everyone, is that Andrew didn't say, go to our website, lunametrics.com, give us all your contact information. We'll be happy to send you these free resources. Again, it's just, as, as you know, Andrew, from speaking as much as you have, and, and our, it's just anytime you go to a conference and someone's dangling the problem and then the solutions behind a wall of any kind, again, just that's why I love you guys uh, so much is your willingness to to share the same same perspective on things that we have at Do You Convert, so that's awesome. Well, um, and I, I think you you bring up a really good point, right? It's 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 also much harder for me to do that, right? Um, so I could say, yeah, give me a call and I'll I'll try to walk you through something. But SEO has changed so much over the last five years, right? Yeah. Uh, since we've even last worked together mm -hmm. uh, at Heartland, it's now so much more complicated and so much so much more broad, right? That I don't have the information. I, I don't have the one size fits all. It's not a title tag. It's not a redirect. It's not a line <laughs> of code on your website. Uh, it yeah. really is. Uh, it's competitor analysis. It's understanding where you are in the market and trying to position you for where you should be. Uh, it's thinking about user intent and what they're looking for. Uh, and a lot of those questions I can't answer without a, a much a much longer project or at least a lot of time sitting in one room together. And yeah. so I would, I would encourage everybody, even if your goal is to go out and find an SEO partner or an SEO consultant, take some time to answer some of these questions because they're going to ask you about them and they will be charging you when they do it, right? So <laughs> you should yeah. use some of these free tools and do some of this introspective soul searching uh, to come up with that information so that when, when it is time for you to either start the optimization or you to work with somebody to start the optimization, you're already moving down that path. Ooh. Yep. Okay, I want to transition into rapid fire questions. What are your thoughts about having search capabilities within your own website? So now we're not talking about SEO in terms of Google or voice assistants or... But on your own site, having a search ability, 
now I need to boil it down to rapid fire, right? Rapid response. <laughs> I told uh, you. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think the challenge that I'll have here is that I've had clients that this is an essential part of their website because they do have such a large, complex e-commerce or content website that you need to find ways to get people to the solution or to the answer faster. For a lot of my home building partners, though, I ask the question, do you need a search bar to help them get to the most relevant content? When I go to Amazon, I, I'm searching for a product category, and so I use that search bar, and that's how I start the process. When I go to a home builder website, uh, I'm probably leaning into a specific region first, and that's going to take me down to the, the homes or the communities that are available in that region, right? Or I'm looking for uh, uh, a, range, a price range on the home, and that's going to take me. So I would think about the way that people use your website and, and determine, do I need a search bar? Do I need that step to help them find what they're looking for? Because often, if you have a small website or a fairly linear discovery process, uh, they, don't, they don't need that, and it's just going to send them to a place that skips essential steps that they're going to have to go back to later, right? Uh, so. I can't give you the quick yes or no, but I would say think about your website and if somebody needs to be able to jump ahead in the process to get to where they're going or do they really need to kind of That's walk awesome. through each one of the steps to get there. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great point of how complex is the navigation and how many steps are there. My only thought is on mobile in particular, a lot of home builder websites, even if you don't have a lot of content, there's a lot of scrolling and as short as those sessions sometimes can be um, on mobile in particular, I often wonder if if and we don't see very many search much search being used on sites generally anyway, Andrew. But that's always been a question of mine is if you're a mobile user and your time frame is compressed, how much more important might it be to get to the content? If you if you are especially a return visitor on mobile, being able to get to what you want to quickly and easily without having to re-navigate um, the site, but absolutely, you make. I mean, those are all great points, and and I would I would add to that that if you do have site search on your website, um, that is a goldmine of information, right? So you can you can build a site for how you think a user will engage with it, but if you have a site search that people are using that are jumping to different points on your website, it might be informing you that your architecture isn't as intuitive as you think, right? Wow, everyone comes to my homepage. None of them can find this particular market, even though it's right there, even on a mobile device. Uh, and so it might make you rethink your website architecture. And, and where you're building your communities. That was when you, when you sure. taught us that back in 2010. It was like, hey, look at, look at the, what people are searching for. You can view you know, that data. And it told us that, wow, people really wish that we built in an area of town that we don't, it's not there. I mean, it's not that they can't find it because of the architecture. It's because we literally don't have a community there. But when you see that data over the course of a year of how many searches were done for a township, city, or area where you don't currently do business, that Good can idea. help you inform the potential demand for that as well. So, yeah. Okay. Um, how about the relationship between content marketing and SEO? Any thoughts on... Um, how those things are either working together or separately in today's world? Yeah, I think it's really hard to talk about one without the other. Uh, you know, it used to be that you would have a dedicated SEO and then you might have a dedicated content marketer. And I don't know many either businesses or agencies that still totally operate under that model. Everyone's leaning into, into both um, because people need to find your content. 
and so you're, typically you're using content marketing in part to help position yourself around things that, that you might not use your website or your app or any of your other content to support. Uh, and so I would, I would never work with a content marketer that doesn't know about SEO, right? It, it means that you're, you're investing in, in half of the process. And so I think a, a savvy content marketer has the fundamentals of SEO and can use that to uh, improve the discoverability of your content, but also the lifespan. One of the things that we run into uh, with content marketers that, that pr invest primarily in social is that it's boom and bust, right? With social, you'll, you'll get that initial surge and then it, it falls off the map. And so if you're investing in both social and long-term SEO, then that content that you've invested hours or dollars into continues to work for you month after month, year after year. Okay. Well, we, we could keep going. I love it. This has been <laughs> amazing. We could go for so much longer. Uh, we try to keep these episodes, uh, around an hour and we're already well, well past that mark. But, um, the good news is, is that we've invited Andrew, uh, to join us at this year's online sales and marketing summit in Dallas. And so he's going to be spending at least uh, one additional entire hour, um, diving into into these topics with just the the limited number of people in the room, and I can't tell you how excited. I'm excited. Last year, Andrew, we just got you. We got a five minute video of you on a bike, that which was, was awesome. That, was. Um, <laughs> that you didn't crash talking yeah. the whole time. Well, and, and that's your fault. You know, you, you told me you told me to do something a little different. I thought, well, I'm riding to work anyway. I'll, <laughs> I might as well capture a video. So you're right. We're, I'm just lucky that I made it safely. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, really excited to have you out. Looking forward to seeing you there. Um, and this week's question of the week is actually going to be about the current challenges that, uh, that folks are having with SEO. So when we come, when we have you come back or even at the summit, we'll be able to address some more of those questions, um, live and in person, but thanks so much for coming on. We really, uh, he won't do it. So I'll tell you if you have, um, the this long-term desire to really uh, do well in this space and to be given great advice. I mean, we can't, you can never promise results, but if you have a long-term perspective and you want to have a great partner that you can trust to, to, to tell it to you straight and to help you find answers to, to, to the problems that you're having, go sign up for Lunametrics newsletter, uh, pay them money. <laughs> Just can't uh, sing your praises uh, all around the country. You guys do a fantastic, fantastic job. Well, I appreciate it. And if nothing else, I'll talk your ear off about data nerd things. So either way, you, you win in my book. Yes. What was the, uh, you used, recently used Google Data Studio, I think, to display oh, yeah, the amount of that. coffee, that was sleep, awesome. and exercise time or something? What was that about? <laughs> Speaking of data nerd, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I connected Data Studio, which is the link that I shared to uh -huh. my Fitbit on my wrist through an API. So I was pushing that data in to get my sleep and I believe my steps. And then I also connected my Google Assistant, so my phone, to how much coffee and beer I was drinking in a day to determine if either of those variables affected my sleep or motivation to walk. Uh, so I'm not sure I ever uh, found actionable insights, but wow, I enjoyed that. That is process. cool. <laughs> it was awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Andrew. We'll see you in Dallas. See ya. Thanks. See you in Dallas. Thanks, guys. All right.
Woo, that was amazing, right, Andrew? That was. That was awesome. I feel like we could have him on every week for the next month or two to go over. I don't know. There's so many questions. There's a lot. Yeah, I know. I just kept writing more. And then I watched was watching the clock and thinking, man, we really we could hold an event. It would have to be in a coffee house somewhere, not a Starbucks, a, an unbranded local coffee mm-hmm. shop with plenty of extra seating and just find a nice comfy chair and we could talk for days. Feed him. Um, let him talk. Let him talk. Yeah, exactly. Like a guru. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's talk about uh, responses to last week's question of the week, which was, Andrew, what was that which question? Was, it was, how many people are in your company's internal marketing department and how many homes did you sell last year? So trying to give context of how, how many people are there, but obviously how much is there to be done and, and how big is the organization? And this one was another, man, lots of, uh, I love it when you guys are brutally honest. Um, mm-hmm. uh and give insight without fear of what is someone else going to think, or um, maybe my competitor is going to gain some advantage. Uh, so I, I love the fact that you guys were all um, willing to share. Um, Kim said uh, Mungo sold more than 1600 homes last year. That's a few. And we have a department of eight. Now this was common because, you know, a lot of the folks who followed you convert and market proof marketing also have online sales teams who are considered to be part of the marketing department. Um, and so she's saying of those eight, three of them are online salespeople. So when we talk about pure marketing, uh, the answer would be five, uh, mm-hmm. for 1600, 1600 homes a year. Every Monday we put job descriptions in a hat and pull what we're doing, going to do for the week. Wink face. <laughs> Actually, we have a VP of marketing, a That's graphic funny. designer, an events coordinator, a digital marketing manager, and someone who is kind of a flow between based upon workload assists, uh, those other nice. four. So yeah, that's a, that's a pretty solid setup there, Kim. There uh, but I mean, when you, yeah, we'll, we'll continue on with other comments, but the, I could talk about this topic for a long oh, time. Oh, for too. sure. And, uh, here I'll, uh, Beth, she is the entire marketing department and they sold over 600 last year. And she said, you said it's fine. Everything is fine. Adding them all to the website is totally fine. I think she has <laughs> some stress related to managing all their inventory on their website and floor plans and communities, 600 homes. Yeah. That's, that's probably quite a few communities. Yeah. Especially, and I'm not talking about her situation specifically, but if, if you're doing inventory management or price changes and get photo galleries, if you don't have a good backend uh, CMS content management system on the site that makes it um, difficult for you to get that stuff done quickly and easily, then it just exacerbates the problem for sure. Um, Renee, says at Abrazo Homes, we have two, uh, Sheena, the OSC, and myself. Um, in 2017, we closed 104. As we have grown, we've been able to wear fewer hats. And so that's the other thing for the people who said they have one or two. You know, it, it reminded me of, you know, yes, part of my major function, uh, Andrew, when I was a marketing director was the annual Christmas party. Uh, taking care of all the logistics and making sure we had prizes and how are we going to, that sounds what games are we going to play? I do the same thing pretty much now. Um, Right. So there, Renee, what you're talking about in terms of wearing fewer hats um, and, and she didn't say this, but I do know that she's also um, in charge of HR for their organization. So um, a couple things on her plate. That's a contrast. Yep. Yeah. That is a contrast people and then metrics and data and getting nerdy. That is 
That's a challenge. That's awesome. Um, one more for me. We have Carrie. They sold 350 homes last year and she was by herself. <laughs> 350 by herself. They just hired a marketing coordinator in October and she says it's been amazing to I have would help. imagine. I uh, could imagine. If you were flying solo. Yeah. I mean, I think one person can easily handle up to, you know, two, 250 potentially, depending on how many communities. To me, the question mm -hmm. of workload always has to do with the number of dots on the map, is how I say it. the number of communities you have. Yeah. Because um, if you only have three neighborhoods and each one of those are selling 100 homes, 300 should be no problem uh, for one person to tackle. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah. So, Okay. Yep. Communities. I'll and read. Uh, yeah, it gets crazy. I'll read Heidi's here, and then we'll we'll pick the winner, um, which um, Andrew is the one that I put the cat picture on. Um, but Heidi says uh, we sold 450 homes last year in 15 different markets. Now that so that's a lot of homes and 15 different cities um, is what she's talking about there. So that's, we have we have crazy. a marketing team of four, a marketing director who's now half time due to a position transfer, a marketing coordinator who handles lead generation and some sales training, one OSC who does marketing two days a week, and one dedicated online salesperson. <laughs> we have contracted with outside agencies partners for website, graphic design, and content. And each of their local offices is franchise, so they also handle some smaller things like trade shows and local media on their own. But that, man, uh, Heidi, that's a lot of moving pieces there. I mean, obviously homes, markets, but then also... Um, you know, it's a good sense of teamwork you have there if everyone's pitching in. But when you divide those things up uh, across uh, multiple people, sometimes that has its own unique challenges. But the winner of this week's question of the week is is Beth. Yeah. Everything is fine. Everything is fine. <laughs> it's all fine. Beth. Loading them all on the website That's, is totally fine. Congratulations, Beth. We'll get fine. the Market Proof Marketing T-shirt awesome. out to you. And this week's question of the week, which we will post um, this weekend for everyone to hop into that Facebook group and answer is, uh, we talked a lot about SEO and Andrew, I'm sure got your brain thinking a little bit more about this. What is the most challenging part for you or your company of SEO to just kind of wrap your head around and, and feel like you can understand it enough to either um, work with an outside partner correctly and appropriately or to tackle on your own? So what what part of the SEO mix is hardest for you to wrap your head around and feel like you understand enough to, to be able to um, tackle on your own or with a partner? Uh, Andrew, we, we promised we'd give our own answers to this. So I would say mine is the, um, is the technical. So like the, the on-page and the content, mm -hmm. I, that's easier for me to understand. The local, while the system itself is complex and cumbersome, um, I understand that part more. So to me, it's the it's the true technical stuff that I have to lean on an outside partner to understand of uh, what what the stuff that Google may see that a user may not in terms of structure and uh, yeah. how it's coded and the language that's being used and all those all those pieces. Anything for Definitely. you that it's a quick add on yours, even more complex when you add into like the way sites are built nowadays. And there's like JavaScript and like all these different types of languages and whatnot and how that interacts with Google. Like that's just like my brain starts to explode. Yeah. Um, but for me, I think it's the the business side of it where like that was the last pillar. I think Andrew talked about as far as like being local. I get that as far as like you need to be real. And then Google kind of sees that as far as links to your site. But that whole process, like what does that actually look like when it's strategized and put into a plan so you can 
do things that encourage your SEO to be more relevant, I guess, to the searches locally. Mm -hmm. um, putting all that into a actionable plan versus like, hey, we need to be more. It's like a vague thing to do, but making that real. Yep. So. Yep. All right. The the only shameless plug that you will ever hear on this podcast is happening right now. So we already talked At about the very end. Andrew Garberson and Lunametrics, uh, Rhonda Conger from Better Human and CBH Homes, the entire Do You Convert team uh, and many others will all be in Dallas, Texas for the online sales and marketing summit. That does not happen until September, but we're talking about it now because VIP registration for tickets opens up next Wednesday. Uh, you will only get a link. It is a private link just for you. If you sign up on that list, it will not be public anywhere. And last year, those tickets sold out in three hours. Um, and so we just want to make sure that everyone is aware that that is out there so that you don't get mad at us when they sell out, because sometimes that has happened. Um, that has happened. So to make that clear, I think for VIPs bought all the tickets. Yes. We, we, right? we always plan to do so a public launch after we launch to the mm -hmm. VIP list. And I don't believe we have ever had a true got, public launch. Yeah. I got to that point. So you, you got to sign up to get your special link yep. and get it. Done. Join the VIP and list to get a VIP link to buy yep. a VIP ticket so that we can see you Boom. in Dallas, Texas. It's, and it's so much fun. Yeah. It's, so it's much fun, fun to see everybody. Everyone in the room has the same challenges that you do. Um, no one is going to say, I don't understand. What do you mean by PPC? That's, you know, your sales leader or owner might not know what SEM stands for. Everyone here will, and you'll be able to talk about it and get to get to know them. And, and a lot of great networking as, as well as a lot of great insights. Um, mm -hmm. so online sales make sure you sign up for that. Uh, because on Wednesday, uh, those tickets will be released. Other than that, um, nice. for any published articles, blog posts, videos, and more uh, done by the Do You Convert team, uh, the entire team on online sales and online marketing, check out doyouconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Insta, Twitter, and the rest of the internets. All of it. MySpace. Yep. yep. Mm -hmm. And I can confirm <laughs> that in most of the country you will not get snow this weekend so go out and enjoy it have a fantastic week we'll nice. see you next time <laughs>